0: The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 410. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Matthew's Christmas story in Matthew 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today we wrap up the version of Matthew's Christmas story, and it's a very un feel to it because we're not doing the sections with shepherds, we're not doing the sections with wise men. Instead, we're doing what happens next. You may remember last week that a bunch of Magi showed up in Jerusalem and talked to the king and said, hey, where is that king of the Jews that's supposed to be born? And they found out that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They sent off the Magi to go find him, and Herod, Herod the Great, said, why don't you come back and tell me when you find him so I can come and worship him as well? But the Magi were warned in a dream and went back a different way and did not go back and tell Herod. If you look at the traditional church calendar, for those of you who come out of a liturgical background, you may find that right after Christmas on the traditional calendar, there is the Feast Day of the Holy innocence. And it's a day that remembers this part, this usually forgotten part of the Christmas story, and the... It is a strange part of the Christmas story because it not only doesn't have Santa and talking snowman, but it has a mass murder. Basically, it has a paranoid king who's afraid of losing his power going off and trying mercilessly to stay in power by killing all the children who are under an age that he determines from the Magi is probably when they started their journey. So they started the journey, maybe it was two years ago where they saw the sign and they'd been going to this point. So he says, let's be safe. Let's make sure that we get the king that was born by killing all the boys. It is unthinkable. It is certainly not the thing that would lead us to call a king Herod the Great. Herod is a merciless king. Herod is not a good king. And Herod is trying to do what people try to do, which is protect what is his own. And it is unthinkable. Unthinkable, and therefore, we cannot relate at all to what Herod is doing. And yet, I wonder if we can. What Herod is doing is he's saying, What I have is more important than anything else. The position that I have, the power that I have, the place I find myself now is more important than even the life of innocent children. And I'm hoping you haven't found yourself in a situation that to keep what you have, you have been out killing innocent children. And if you have, we have a very serious problem. But on the other hand, what do we do to make sure that we get to keep what is ours? That may seem like a weird question because certainly if it's ours, we should get to keep it. But we have in this story the beginnings of an interesting comparison. We have one king who will do anything to hold on to his position, and we have the other king who is born, who humbles himself to be born in a manger, who humbles himself to a death on a cross. And that king is the king of kings. And so it's not Herod that we should emulate, but Jesus. Not just Jesus, the Christ child here, but Jesus of Golgotha, Jesus of Calvary. Our stuff, our position, our power, is not more important than people. Jesus had a habit of always putting people first. And Herod is just the extreme example of our sinful nature that puts ourselves first. It's not unusual in the direction, just the severity of it. And chapter 2 wraps up this way. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. We don't hear much else about this Herod, this Herod Archelaus in the Gospels, and so we have to turn to Josephus, the Jewish historian, to understand a little bit about why Joseph, when he hears that Archelaus is the king in place of his father, decides that maybe he would go somewhere else. He decides to go to Galilee instead, who is ruled by another Herod, but not this guy. And one of the reasons Joseph may do that is there's two stories that are worth understanding. One is that Herod Archelaus puts a golden eagle in front of the temple entrance, which was perceived as blasphemous, and it was taken down and chopped with axes. And so he had two teachers and 40 other youths arrested for that, arrested for doing that, and he had them burned alive. And that caused great uprising. Basically, at some point, he sends in the troops into the temple, and they kill 3,000 people. Herod is cut from the same cloth as his father, is willing to do whatever he wants to do to keep his power. Now, Herod was not yet king. He had to be approved by Caesar, by Caesar Augustus, uh, because they're a client state of Rome. And so, he goes to Rome and and his enemies go also, and he is confirmed, though. he the Caesar Augustus does name him as ruler, and he rules for a while until about 6 A.D., and the reason why when Jesus is tried, he's tried under a Roman governor, is because finally in 6 A.D., the people are just so tired of him, they plead to Caesar to give us a Roman governor. Basically, get rid of this guy, and he is sent into exile because he continues to be cruel. He divorces his wife and marries somebody who's already married. Tell me if that sounds familiar when we get to his brother later on. And so finally they are done with him, and and he exits from the picture in 6 AD. And so by the time of Jesus' ministry, he is gone, and this is a Roman province. But when Joseph hears about this guy, he says, you know, Galilee is looking awfully nice. But the interesting thing about this is not that little bit of history, but how the prophets in the Old Testament are predicting things, Bethlehem and Galilee and all of these places and all of the things that have to line up to make them come true. Joseph, who may not have been a biblical scholar, doesn't go to Galilee to fulfill the promise. He goes to Galilee because he's a little afraid of going to Judea. He doesn't go to Bethlehem because he says, oh, this son is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. He goes to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus makes him go to Bethlehem. And so God is working his purposes out in his long plan. And so he sent his prophets, all the prophets, by the time of Jesus' birth, this was more than 500 years ago. There's a gap between the Old and New Testament in part because when they canonize, when they choose what books are in the Old Testament, they choose books that have proven the test of time and therefore are older. And so... All of the prophets have been talking about what Jesus will do, what will happen with the Messiah, and Matthew picks up those threads from this book and from that book and from this prophet and that prophet as he traces God's long-term plan through his son, Jesus. I pray this week that you and I would be part of that long-term plan and we would help move the kingdom forward and that we would put what God desires, the welfare of people, ahead of what we desire. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast dot com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. dot com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, or Instagram at Chris And as always, thanks so much for listening. looking for ways to stay positive brighten your day with the free story behind podcast hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy love and hope listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for story behind wherever you get your podcasts